but it's time for church. Amen. Why don't you look at someone sitting next to you? Just give them a big smile. Tell them you're glad to see them if you haven't told them that already. Amen. Again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Those joining us on Facebook Live or live stream, so glad you're part of the service tonight. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Thank you for joining us. Why don't we begin tonight just by, if you would, stand with me. And uh, I'd like to just pray together. Let's take a moment to invite the presence of God into the, into the house, into the sanctuary, and, and just prepare ourselves for what God has for us. Can we do that tonight? Jesus, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Enter into your courts with praise. Lord, you've done great things for us. Lord, you've done great things in our lives. You've done great things in our church. Lord, you've got us uh, positioned and on a path, Lord, to see miraculous, to see mighty things. Lord, you're pouring out your spirit, and we praise you for that. We thank you for that. And Lord, tonight will be no exception, Lord. And so we invite your presence into this place. Lord, we, we train our minds and our hearts to be in tune with you. Lord, anoint what is said and done here. Anoint the worship, the praise, the preaching of the word. And let us leave change forever in your presence in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to Jesus again, welcoming him, him into this place? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you for praying with me and just worshiping the Lord for a moment there. Let me remind you of a few things here tonight um, to put on your calendar that's upcoming. Don't forget Sister Courtney Henson's announcement from Sunday. There will be a Bible quizzing open house this coming Sunday right after church, right after the altar service. That'll be over in classroom two. And uh, you can drop by there, check it out, ask some questions. Just going by doesn't mean you're committed. Uh, so don't be afraid to drop by and just see what it's all about. Ask some questions. Find out more about this coming season of Bible quizzing. We'd love for our, our students and our kids to be a part of that and um, our families. And you will be blessed by that. So remember that right after church this coming Sunday. And then the, the following Sunday, September the 11th, will be Child Dedication Sunday. And so if that is, is you, you have a child you would like to be dedicated to the Lord in that service, please let the church office know. We will, um, we will absolutely be honored uh, to, to dedicate your child that Sunday. And then finally, looking ahead, September the 16th is a Friday night at 730 right here in the sanctuary. We are planning an evening of worship with worship leader Brian Pound. And uh, most of you, I believe, would remember we did this last year, and it was tremendous. Um, not planning to have preaching, quote-unquote, that evening. It'll be strictly an evening to come and worship the Lord together through music, uh, through worship music as the praise team leads us. And um, as I remember, Pastor, we had a healing that night. I, I believe at least one that was documented, a healing that took place. Uh, the Holy Ghost fell. Um, folks filled up with the Holy Ghost. It was tremendous. And so we're expecting even greater things this year. And it's a great opportunity to bring someone with you to the house of the Lord and just have them say, just come and we're going to worship the Lord with some great worship music, praise team, and uh, be a great time to bring a guest. So please mark your calendar and please plan to come out that night. Again, that's September the 16th. That's just a couple of Friday nights away with worship leader Brian Pound. So if you got it, say, I got it. Awesome. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time. 
Um, we are apostolic after all, so, you know, uh, we don't want to stay seated for too long. It, it is our honor. We're just absolutely honored to have Brother Jeremy Favors and his wonderful family here with us tonight, missionaries to Luxembourg. And I am looking forward to their ministry, to their presentation tonight. And I got to connect with him just a little bit before church, just a few minutes. And I just couldn't help but think as he was kind of sharing his burden and some of his stories from the mission field. We, By the way, we raised over $6,200 just on the walkathon Saturday for Move the Mission. Isn't that awesome? Good job, students. Good job. <clears throat> And I just couldn't help think that, as, as Brother Favors told us some of his stories, maybe he'll tell some of them uh, tonight to you. It, it, it's just how, it's neat how on the heels of such a successful weekend in terms of raising money for missions, we have a, a missionary, kind of the face of what we're trying to do is to assist these folks in getting the whole gospel to the whole world. So tonight we're going to hear a firsthand testimony of what those efforts really mean and how much they really do go to, for, to moving the kingdom of God forward. So I'm looking forward to their ministry. Love their spirit. Love having gotten to meet them just a few moments ago. Would you clap your hands and make Brother Jeremy Favors from Luxembourg welcome. God bless you, Brother Favors. What a wonderful day, isn't it? Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you. God is good to his people. He is faithful. He's reliable. He's constant. Amen. The Lord is so good to us, isn't he? Yes, he is. Are you as excited to be here as I am? You want to smile real big at me? Give me a big smile. Everybody happy to be here? Amen. Say, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done in my life. Amen. I was thinking a little bit before service, I don't even really know all the things he's done in my life. All the times he's protected me, every time he's covered me, everything he's kept my mind from drifting where it didn't need to be, every time he's kept me from a car wreck, every time he stopped the airplane from falling out of the air, every single time he kept us while we were crossing national borders, every time there was some natural disaster or a tornado or something that should have taken us out, God protected us. There are things that we don't even know about that God has kept us day after day and year after year, and he's faithful. He's faithful. Amen. You could be seated if you'd like. Tonight, I'm going to tell just a little bit about Luxembourg, but one of the things also that I would like to do while I'm here is share with you just a little bit about uh, who we are, my wife and I, and sort of where we come from. And um, it's, um, it sounds like quite a bit to go through in a short period of time, doesn't it? Amen. But my, I'm happy to be here because I am excited about the things that God does in our lives that stand as witnesses against this world that they are right and they are winning. Because God cannot be overthrown. God cannot be defeated. God is always going to be victorious. He cannot be defeated. He cannot be confused he cannot be out of control and sometimes we 
wonder if God knows exactly what it is he's doing. We sometimes wonder if God has actually got his eyes on us or if he somehow let us just wander through life and forgotten about the things that are taking place from day to day. The Bible tells us that he does, in fact, still have the hairs of our head numbered. And it's not that he just knows how many that there are. He knows which ones are which number. He knows every single tiny little minute detail about our lives. He knows why you're here. He knows how you got here. He knows what you're going to do since you've come here. He's got a plan. He knows what's going on. He knows what's taking place in this city. He knows what's going on around the world. And God is moving pieces all over the planet into position. And he has got such a masterful plan for this end time that there's something that just stirs up inside of me every time I come together with believers. Because when I look out at you, what I see is testimony after testimony after testimony of victory. And I see soldiers of light being used in the kingdom of God. And he has got such a masterful plan. It staggers the mind. Eye has still not seen. Ear has still not heard. And it's still really not entered into our hearts what it is that God has prepared for those that are His and love Him. We still haven't got the full revelation of all that God's going to do. It is going to stagger our minds. I want you to just prepare yourself and get ready because you've not even yet dreamed of what God is going to do in your life. It's not yet come to your mind the fullness of just how wonderful and just how majestic he really is. He really is wonderful. He is the counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting father and the prince of peace. It still hasn't even crossed our mind yet how good God is and how things are going to turn out. It hasn't even yet sunken in because we still are allowing this world to tell us what we should expect when I've come to help the people of God tonight remember that voice needs to be closed out that voice needs to be ignored and what we need to do is full face turn our attention back to him and believe who he is believe what he says believe what he's promised believe what he's spoken get excited have some faith have our expectation taken to a completely different level because we've still not even yet seen what it is that God's going to do. Oh, it's exciting living for God. It's, living for God doesn't require hype. It just requires involvement. When you get involved in the things God is doing, you don't have to say, well, let me try to think of something interesting to say. Just tell what's happened, and it's going to be interesting. Because when you give your life to God and you follow after what he's called you to do, you don't have to make stuff up to blow people's minds. You just tell what God has done, and it is staggering to the mind what God does, how faithful he is, and what all he can accomplish. The most exciting thing you'll ever do is tell God yes. The most rewarding thing you'll ever do is say, I surrender. The most powerful thing you'll ever do is say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's when things start to get good. That's when things really light up. That's when things really start to shift and start to change. You will never see more come from your life until you put it in the hands of God. Oh, it's so powerful. I, uh, I have the privilege of being married to a wonderful, wonderful woman that 
comes from a great family and a tremendous background. Her grandparents were the pioneering missionaries to Bolivia years ago. And her parents, they were home missionaries in the state of Maryland. They were in home missions there around our national uh, capital doing uh, all that they could do to reach those people. And God called them to go to Bolivia. They left our nation's capital to go to a third world country in the Andes Mountains with their three small girls. My wife left at six years old and went to a mission field and has been on a mission field ever since. She's been there since she's six years old in country after country following the voice of God. Her parents were missionaries. Her grandparents were missionaries. And she's been a missionary since she was a small girl, speaks several languages, and is a tremendous, tremendous woman of faith. I was telling Pastor a little bit earlier, it was an interesting thing when the Lord brought us together because I'm the person from the other side of the tracks. I'm the person that wasn't raised in a minister's home. I was the boy that was raised by someone that was not a man of God. I was the person that grew up in a home where I saw two very different things in my household growing up. My mother was apostolic. My father was alcoholic. And so at eight years old, I had come to the conclusion that women go to church and men make money. And I don't know where you are in your stage of life or your decision making or your relationship with God. But it took me a long time to figure out that being in the house of God and praying and walking with him, it's not just a way of life. It is the way of life. There is no other way to live. There is no other truth. There is no other way to spend your life. Well, if there was anybody in here that had ever been on the outside trying to get in, somebody would say amen. Isn't that right? We've all been there. We do not look like where God found us. We do not look like what God brought us out of. We do not look like where he has taken us out of and brought, oh, we don't resemble the things that we used to do because that is the power of the blood. That's how powerful the blood actually is, is when people look at you today, they do not see where God found you. What they see is something clean. What they see is something washed. What they see is something white. What they see is something pure. What they see is something powerful. What they see is something they can't even hardly identify with because the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it takes you out of darkness and puts you into something that can only be described as light. It finds you in rough places and puts you in high places. It takes you out of despair and brings you into something that could only be called divine. It does not look like where we came from. Oh, God's so powerful. See that as a young boy, I was only just getting glimpses of what it was to be in God's presence. At eight years old, I remember telling my family that I was going to just make money. That was going to be my goal because... Uh, I had already been to church quite a bit, but I hadn't yet found out what it is to live the life of making money and being out in the world and being a man. That's what I thought being a man was. And so at eight years old, I decided I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make as much money as I can 
And I got myself a job, full-time job at eight years old. And around school, I was still holding down a job. At 13 years old, I was working a full-time job as an electrician's assistant. And I started going out of the state. And at 13 years old, I was paying federal income tax to the government and Social Security and holding down a job. I still get the little printout that says how long I've been paying in to Social Security. Goes back to when I was 13 years old. And so it was then also that I have to tell you that my life had changed quite a bit. Now let me tell you something powerful. At eight years old, my grandmother had grabbed me by the shoulders and she looked me right in the face and she said, you're going to be a preacher of the gospel and you are going to take the gospel to the nations. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to make money. And now I've got to tell you, whether you're young or whether you're not young any longer, I've got to tell you that the most powerful thing that you can do for your family is pray over them and prophesy. Pray over them and prophesy. There's something so powerful about prayer that when you start praying for people, angels take flight, supernatural things begin to happen, and it does not matter what a person has decided they're going to do and God gets involved, everything can change. It doesn't matter if they're stubborn. It doesn't matter if they're lost. It doesn't matter how long they've been gone. And it don't matter how far they've run out. When God gets involved, you hear me when I tell you, everything can change in a moment because nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is out of His reach. Nothing is out of His sight. Nothing is too difficult. And nothing is out of His jurisdiction. He's got authority in every area and He can make changes to anything. When somebody starts to pray, stuff starts to shake. Prayer is so powerful because prayer never fails. Prophecy is so powerful because prophecy never fades. It doesn't go away. Prophecy hovers in the atmosphere until it comes to pass. Prayer does not fail. It accomplishes what God sent it to do. Angels don't ever die. Have you ever thought about that? Somebody say it with me. Prayer never fails. Prophecy never fades. And angels never die. That's powerful. Sometimes we think, oh, our prayer is just going to go up and come down. It will not fail. It will not fail. It will not fail. Prophecy does not fade. It stays in areas until it has come to pass. Angels or not, we don't have 21st century angels and 20th century angels and 19th century angels. They're just angels. That's powerful because our faith has got to be attached to what it is that God has already been doing for years and what he still intends on furthering. We love those stories about Paul and Silas, how they were in that jail and at midnight they began to sing and then all of a sudden while they're in there singing all of a sudden something happens and all of the doors come open 
And that angel goes in and starts escorting people out. I like how he goes in and taps them on the side and says, get up. Talking to Peter and says, come with me. I like it when he says all the doors open to Paul and they walked out into the city. I like hearing about those things because it lets me know that the supernatural is real. But here's what's so amazing. When I think about the fact that those angels are the same angels that God sends to your situation when you need it. Those angels did not die. We don't get different help. We don't get different angels. We don't get something lesser or something modern or something like that. We get that. We get the power of God showing up miraculously opening doors we get the power of God coming into prisons and opening them up and walking people out of hopelessness we get the very same supernatural representation that the apostles got in the Bible and when you pray and when you pray without ceasing they start moving they start taking action they start touching hearts they start opening doors they start bringing down strongholds victory comes things are broken and captives are set free those angels never die they're with us and they're powerful and they will take action when you speak as an eight-year-old boy I decided I'm not going to do it but the thing is is as a small kid people had had me praying over me in an apostolic church People had had me praying over me in prayer meetings. Apostolic women had interceded and prayed in prayer rooms for the people that were there and their families night after night and week after week. And even though I wasn't interested, even though I didn't know what was going on, even though as soon as I got a chance I was going to find my way moving in a different direction, those things had attached themselves to my life. Those things that were prayed had all of a sudden been assigned to me. Those things that were spoken all of a sudden had to envelop me. And they had to tag along with me whether I liked it or whether I didn't. I wish somebody would hear me what I'm saying in the Holy Ghost. That when you speak, you ought to get excited when you pray. And not just walk out thinking, well, I just wasted another 45 minutes of my day. What you ought to do is believe something is about to change. I just spoke. And I spoke in faith. I uttered the word. And I know it's going to come to pass. God is going to do something powerful and don't you let your flesh and don't you let the enemy talk you out of it. It is such a powerful, powerful thing. I'll tell you what happened. I'll fast forward just a little bit. At 13 years old, I was a serious alcoholic. At 15 years old, I was involved with drugs. From 17 to 22 years old, I was incarcerated six different times on multiple charges. I lived such a disastrous and wrecked lifestyle, but I was a business owner at 22 years old and made quite a bit of money traveling around the country because I was an industrial electrician that would take enormous electrical panels that we had designed and install them in manufacturing facilities like Sara Lee Bakery, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Cadillac, Boeing Air Corporation, Campbell Soup, and we would get the contracts and install these electrical panels get the turnkey contract to do the whole thing and make the whole plant operate at the push of a button. I traveled all over the United States 
at 22 years old as a business owner, traveling from place to place to place. When I was a teenager, I was working at an automation company, learning how to build those electrical panels before I ever owned a company. I'll tell you why I'm mentioning that. Every place that I would go, someone would come up to me and say, I know you don't know me. You may not even like me, but I pray, and I'm a man of God. And God told me to come tell you that you're running from him, and he's got something that he needs you to do. And you're not going to be happy until you do it. And I would look at them and laugh and say, you need to leave me alone. It doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? It doesn't sound very faith-building, does it? The next location that I would go to, state after state, after manufacturing facility, after corporation, after corporate building, every place that I would go, God would have somebody that was sensitive to his spirit that would walk up to me every single time and say almost the exact same words. You're running from God. And you're not going to be happy until you do what God wants you to do. Those words that were spoken when I was eight years old. Those prayers that were prayed when I was a small kid. Supernatural things were assigned to me to go with me everywhere that I went. Every time I went somewhere, the supernatural was in effect. And it was tapping people in every state, every city that I would go into. And things began to move in my direction saying, you're being called. You're being called. We're watching over you. We're coming after you. There's something you're supposed to do. And you could not get away. Prayer never fails. Prophecy never fades. It just will not stop. It is supernatural. We cannot hinder it. When it goes in motion, when you pray, just know nothing is going to stop this prayer. It's going to go where God wants it to go. Keep on praying for your children. Keep on declaring what you know God's going to do in their life. Speak what God puts in your mouth. He will do it. That happened to be all over the country, and I finally ended up in Los Angeles, California. I was working for a company there. I had a contract with a company called Oro Wheat Baking Company. We were putting in all the machinery and the electrical panels for this production line. And at the end of the, nearly the end of the contract, it was a Friday night, I sent all my employees out. They wanted to go into Los Angeles and see what the city had to offer. I decided to stay by myself. And because I drank very heavily, I sat alone, and I decided that night I was going to walk out into the city and sit on the curb. And at 3 o'clock in the morning in East Los Angeles, in one of the most gang-saturated cities of our country, I decided to sit down with a whiskey bottle and drink and think about everything that had been happening to me. And so I sat there in the dark lifting that bottle to my lips, looking out at the lights of Los Angeles. And as I sat there, I heard something coming up behind me. And immediately I thought someone was going to try and get my wallet. And then as that footprint got closer and the sound of those boots got nearer, I could hear gravel crunching under their feet. And I thought, well, here it comes. And before I could even react, all of a sudden a voice came and that voice said, you need to go back where you came from. And when you get there, you're going to be told what you need to do. You're running from God. 
And you are not going to be happy until you do what God wants you to do. And I got mad. I got really mad. I was sick of hearing it. And I turned around to tell them that I was sick of hearing it. And when I turned around, all I saw was an empty basketball court with some lights on. And I couldn't see anything or anybody, but all I had pounding in my ears was the echo of that voice saying, you need to go back where you came from, and then you're going to find out what you need to do. When the contract was over, I loaded my truck, my trailer full of equipment, all the employees, and we left Los Angeles and drove to the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. I drove down Dallas Airport Freeway between Dallas and Fort Worth. In a city of six million people, I was driving down the highway under the influence of three different substances. Even in that state of mind, driving that vehicle, the Lord somehow, by His grace, registered it in my mind and said, you need to look to the right. And I did. And I saw a sign that said, the First United Pentecostal Church of Hearst. And when I looked at that sign, it registered again and said, you need to go in there. I did not. I drove to a Chili's and sat down at the bar and ordered something to drink and sat right there thinking and thinking and thinking. And a man came in and sat down to my left. He was about 55 years old. He was talking about how much it was costing him to put his daughter through college. And then all of a sudden he just stops and he looks at me and says, could I ask you something personal? And I said, sure. He said, do you believe in God? <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. I said, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I've really been thinking about it quite a bit lately, but I'm, I'm just not sure. And he said, listen, man, I, I've never said anything like this before. I don't know why I'm saying this. But you need to go find a church, and you need to go find it right now, because God has something he needs you to do, and you will not be happy until you do it. And I thought, you know, that's enough. And I took that shot glass and put it on the counter, and I drove to my apartment, changed clothes, and drove to that church. I sat down on the back row. They were not having service. No one was preaching. Nothing powerful was going on in that building. The praise director was playing something on a keyboard. I walked in and sat down on the back. And when I sat down, the Holy Ghost met me there. I felt the power of God fill that place. And all of a sudden, there was the weight of a hand, just something heavy that was just felt to be hovering right over me. And at the, for the first time in my life, I was getting the assurance that I was in the right place at the right time for the first time. And I knew this was it. And all of a sudden, I just started crying like a baby. At 26 years old, I was just weeping like a little kid. A man came over to me and he asked me, what are, what are you doing here? We're not even having church. It's amazing to think that God could be at work when we're not having church. But he said, what are you doing here? And I literally thought, I'm not telling him. If I tell him how I got here, they'll never let me back in. That's what I thought. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm looking for answers, and, and I thought this would be a good place to come. 
He said, let's go to my office. We went to his office. He opened the Bible. He found out I had a Pentecostal background. He said, see if this reminds you of anything. He started reading from Genesis chapter 1. And as he read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void. He was reading those scriptures. As he was reading that text, in my mind, I was hearing different words. I heard this. Everything that you heard as a small boy in those prayer meetings was me moving among my people. What you heard those preachers saying was truth. That was the message of who I am. That was the doctrine of my divinity. That is who I am. That is what I want to manifest. And that is what you're going to preach. Everything that you felt was me moving among my people. And you're going to take my message. And at that moment... He looked at me and said, Jeremy, I don't know what's going on, but the Holy Ghost just filled this room. I said, I know it's been following me. I said, it's been following me everywhere. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? Everywhere that I went, there was a hovering. There was a hovering. Oh, please hear me. You don't see it. You can't, you can't detect it. You don't know that it's out there. But when you pray, when the anointing of God is on you and you're interceding and groaning with those words that cannot be uttered, the things that are taking motion, the things that are taking flight, the things that are being sent to your family and to your children and to states and to countries, it is real, it is permanent, and it is effective. It is effective. Now, the scripture that I want to just read a little bit for this evening, just for a moment, is Mark chapter 11, verse 20, and verses uh, down to 24. It says, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, Peter, calling to remembrance, he said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed, it's withered away. I love what he says here, because... He says something that sounds very elementary. It sounds very basic. And he says it to the people that are closest to him and had followed him the longest. And what he, he just wheels around and tells them, have faith in God. Because that statement is not something simple. It's not something even easy. Have faith in God is fundamental and it's key. When we can just simply have faith in God, that when we speak, we will see what we have spoken. The Bible tells us, it says, Jesus answering says, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Another translation says, pick yourself up and throw yourself into the depths of the sea. That's an uprooting and a removal because of something spoken. There are things that have just hung around your life, hung around your family. I hope somebody is picking up what the Spirit is speaking because there are things that have hovered around and hung around your family way too long and it almost feels like a mountain and we look at it thinking that it's an impossibility when the scripture tells us very plainly that if you just have faith in God and you've got the courage to speak to that thing, the instruction that it's going to hear is pick yourself up and throw yourself into the sea. And it must do it. 
The scripture says, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. Listen, Jesus says that you say this, and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. Now, there's a couple things real quickly here I've got to just point out. When the scripture here says that if you do not doubt in your heart, do you know what that means? When you look at the original Hebrew or the original Greek in the New Testament here in Mark, when it says that you should not doubt, there is a, there is a, a vivid picture that's got to come to your mind that when God speaks a word and says, this is what I want you to speak, all of a sudden something happens inside of you and you've got a decision to make. Either you're going to believe it and cling on to it, or you're going to be at odds with it and say, I'm having a hard time with that. That's what that word means. When it says, if you do not doubt in your heart, doubt means to actually resist and oppose and be vehemently against. There's something inside of you that is stirring that when something prophetic is entered, or there's some there's some situation in your life or some impossibility and God says well just say this and all of a sudden that flag goes up and you say well, I think that was the Lord but I don't know if I can say that there's an opposition inside of you there's something inside of you struggling with that word going I don't know that's what the word doubt means and if you can get past that opposition and actually agree with what was spoken, then you will see it. There's that split second. I've seen miracles happen that have astounded my family and astounded others that have seen it. But there, I've seen it happen again and again. And I've come to tell you and remind those that have seen it in the past that you know there is that split second. There's that moment where you have to decide it's going to happen or you're going to say, I'm not so sure about this. That is the critical moment. That is the critical moment. When you're sitting there looking at your situation, the family situation, the financial situation, your emotional situation, your ministerial situation, whatever it is that you're facing, the diagnosis from the doctor, the future of your life, how it's going to go, you've got that split second. And when the Word of God comes, to you, you can agree with it and cling on to it and say, that's what I'm going to speak. Or you can allow that opposition to strongly resist it and say, I'm just not sure. That's that doubt. But if you can, if you can agree with that word, that word is accomplished. It goes on to say, if you can believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass, he shall you shall, he shall, that person that speaks it shall have whatsoever he saith. That is very powerful. There's a couple of things at work here. One of them is agreement. The other is authority. When you are under God's authority and he's delegated it to you and you get a revelation of that authority, that is a powerful thing. That is a powerful thing. People that are born of the water and spirit, you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've got the Holy Ghost, you are a powerful person. If you speak something negative, something very powerful and negative is about to, about to be loosed from your mouth. 
If you speak something positive and powerful, something very positive and powerful is about to be released from your mouth. You are powerful people. The Bible teaches us that the mouth is actually the centerpiece of spiritual warfare. That when we speak, we are actually doing war. And we are fighting on one side or the other. The Bible, David said, you need to have the high praises of God in your mouth and a double-edged sword in your hand. That's got to be the things that come out of our mouth because when we speak, something is happening. The question is, is it destructive or is it creative? The question is, is it going to be demonic or is it going to be of God? Is it going to be driven by your enemy or is it going to be guided by your master? What is it going to be? What are you going to speak? What are you going to declare? That's what matters most in that moment. Because if you can just cling on to what God is putting in your spirit and say, that is what I will speak, then you will see a dramatic change and a miraculous outcome. It's a battle. That is is a battle. You sometimes have to do supernatural warfare before you do supernatural warfare. That is a battle. If you can overthrow that enemy right there and win that battle, then the spiritual warfare you're about to conduct is going to be victorious. It says it right there. That's one of the most simple things that could get into our apostolic lives today is we can just be convinced and say it says it right there. There's something so powerful about these words because it says that if you believe it, you will receive it. The thing that I was teaching my family in one of our morning devotions not long ago was this. I've got a little three-year-old girl that's sharp. She picks up on everything. She quotes scripture every morning in our devotion. She's been doing Psalm 23 since she was two years old. She can work, make her way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. She can explain Jesus' name, baptism. She's already received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name. She's three. She's pretty sharp. The thing about it is in one of our morning devotions, I was going through some of these scriptures, and one of the things that I told her was about how when we believe, if we don't doubt, we will have it. And she looks at me and she says, Dad, Dad, how does that work? And I said, well, baby, and I explained it. And she said, okay, so I can say whatever I want and God's going to do it? I said, no, not really. I said, no, ma'am, that's not how that works. Because, you know, the scripture does say, let me read it in, in verse 24. What, what things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Praying people hear the voice of God. Praying people are in tune with the will of God. Praying people can get a rhema of God. Praying people have those deposits into their spirit that came from spending time with God. And those things that are deposited in them are quickened. The logos that is quickened for the moment is called a rhema. The logos, the word of God that's been planted in you, when it's quickened for that moment, that's called a rhema. That is a word from God that you are going to speak, and it is going to take action and be fruitful. Praying people are powerful. She said, Dada, how does that work? And I told her, I said, look, it's kind of like this. I reached out on our table, and I grabbed my coffee cup by the handle, and I pulled it to me. I said, that's how you do it. Our faith, our Holy Ghost, has to reach out and grab a hold of it 
and take ownership of it and say, that's mine. And then don't let go and you'll have it. It's not any more difficult than that. It's really not. God is looking for agreement. Have you ever seen two people just come together and they shake hands? In that moment, there's something powerful happening. Two people that shake hands in lots of cultures around the world, that very thing is a contract. Something was just established. Shaking the hand of someone else means you're in agreement with that person. And the thing that has started to encroach upon our world so drastically is being in agreement with it. The things that we have deposited into our spirits, the things that we react to and the things that we believe, we apostolic people of this day and this hour have got to pick up on what is of God and what is not of God. Because every single day we are making decisions about what we are coming into agreement with and what we are not coming into agreement with. And the things that are so important and powerful about this is, is when we are shaking our hands with seducing spirits, lying spirits, and things of this world that are not of God, we are coming into agreement with hurts, with wounds, with disaster, with destruction, with bondage, with imprisonment, with all kinds of things. And we wonder why we feel the way we do. We wonder why our prayers don't seem to be very effective. We wonder why it is that we're struggling emotionally. We wonder why it is that our faith is only getting so, so high. And we just don't know why we're grappling with what we're grappling with. But somewhere down the road, somewhere along the way, we started coming into agreement with stuff. And I've got to announce to you and to anybody that may be listening, we have got to shake ourselves and pull our hands back away from every lying thing, every doctrine of devils, every seducing spirit, everything that would put a damper on your Holy Ghost and quench your flow, everything that would come against your identity as an apostolic man and a woman of God, anything that tries to tell you you're a nobody instead of telling you you're a child of God, any voice that tries to tell you it's all over when we're really just getting good and started, when the enemy tries to tell you it's going to end like this, when I can tell you right now it's not going to end that way. We're going to see something shift. We're going to see a change. God is going to do a miracle in our lives. Our families are going to be used to bring the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost this world has ever seen. I'm not in agreement with this world. I'm not in agreement with this agenda. I'm not in agreement with this hurts and its lies and its deception. I'm not in agreement with it and I'm going to do what the prophet said and I'm going to shake myself and arise and put on my beautiful garments and I'm going to be what God has called me to be. We are going to speak as ambassadors of the kingdom of God and that is what is going to turn the table. This little flag I've got on my lapel says that I'm representing Luxembourg. The thing that we've got to get deep down in our spirit one more time is we are citizens of heaven. We really are under his authority. Now that's a fearful thing, but that's also a powerful thing. That's very sobering. We are under his authority. That means we'll do whatever he wants us to do. Oh, that was one of the most 
amazing moments of my life when I first came to God, you'll find some of your most amazing moments back there. And as I sat right there on that back row, as I sat there in the back of that church, that moment was powerful. The reason why I was hearing something completely different than the preacher was saying was because I was surrendered. I was yielded. I had finally come to the place where I was completely surrendered. I told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll say whatever you want me to say when I get there. When you are in that state and in that condition, it is no difficult thing to hear what God is saying. The preacher could be preaching about Noah, and you're still going to get exactly the word from God that you need if you're surrendered. Because that word is going to quicken something in your spirit, and every person in here is going to get exactly what they need to hear from God. It's not a matter of him preaching the right thing at the right time, and it being exact. It doesn't, it doesn't have everything to do with that. What matters is who is surrendered. You can preach a picture-perfect message to people that are not surrendered, and nobody will actually hear from God. That is true. That is true. You can preach the most masterfully put-together thing to a group of people that are not surrendered, and people go, what was that all about? If you're surrendered and you're yielded to God, that man can preach just about anything under the anointing and God is going to flip your world upside down and you're going to leave on fire. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Amen. That is right. That is right. God is looking for agreement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it like this. Before Jesus was ever even born, the rabbis used to teach that when someone came into the synagogue and they would open up the word of, the, of God, the scroll, and they would begin to read from it, there had to be someone that would speak it, and there had to be someone that would agree with it. And so every time they got together, they would have the word, and someone would speak the word, and someone would be there to say, Amen. And they would agree. There had to be a declarer and a witness. There had to be a speaker and an agreeer. There had to be a yes and an amen. And that completed the circuit. And what was spoken was actually engaging something supernatural. The rabbis were convinced and taught that when people would speak and then there was agreement, that is what brought the Shekinah glory into the temple. Now, it's an amazing thing. Please know that I'm not berating anybody when I say this. I'm simply making a point. It's an amazing thing that years and years ago, almost after every statement, a preacher under the anointing would speak. People would say, amen. And the preacher would say, and God has set you free. Amen. And the preacher would say whatever he's going to say from the word of God. And the people would say, amen. And there was this back and forth and back and forth. And then there's signs, miracles, wonders, deliverance, breakthrough, powerful thing. Because the glory of God had come to that place simply because the word was being spoken and they were in agreement. You had to come into that moment. You had to come into that place at that time knowing whatever he's saying, I'm either going to run out or I'm going to get in agreement. I'm either going to get up and I'm going to leave 
or I'm going to get in agreement. And all of a sudden, when people would line up with that and come into agreement with it, things started to change in their personal lives and in that place. Supernatural things started to happen. Why am I saying that? Because that thing actually works individually as we go. The Lord puts in our mouths what he wants us to speak. The Lord puts in our mouths what he wants us to speak. And we've got to decide, am I going to listen to all of this doubt? Am I going to listen to all this that's happened? Am I going to let all that inform what's coming out of my mouth? Or am I about to start speaking what I know God has put in my spirit? And when we come into agreement with that, we come into alignment with the word of God. You come into alignment with his will and his plan and his purpose. And all of a sudden, supernatural provision starts to show up. And you didn't know how it was going to work out. But now all of a sudden, it's just worked out because you started speaking what God put in your spirit. You came into agreement with what he had already dictated, what he had already settled. It is a powerful, powerful thing. God's word by itself is, is a voice. But it is a two-edged voice. His voice is one side of that sword and our voice is the other side of that two-edged sword. When we speak what he's speaking, he produces what that word was sent to produce. God does for us what he did for Daniel. You can read in Daniel 10, 12. It says, then said he unto me, fear not. Listen to this. From the first day that thou didst set in thy heart to hear and understand and chasten thyself before thy God, listen to this, thy words were heard. Here's what's powerful. And I am come for thy words. It was because of what you were speaking. Angels take flight when we start speaking. They go into warfare when we start interceding. When we start speaking things, that God puts in our spirit, supernatural things began to happen. You look at a, a, a boy that has the background that I have, and then you actually see me today going, let me tell you a little bit about Luxembourg, going to a country that's in Western Europe. Luxembourg's between Belgium and Germany. It's north of France. Listen to this. There's 642,000 people in that little country. And there's 170 different nationalities of people. They speak three different national languages, Luxembourgish, and they speak French, and they speak German. Those are their three national languages. But there's 170 different nationalities of people in that country. When I first got there, I thought, my, how, how are we going to focus on reaching Luxembourgish people? Listen to this. And then the Lord sort of opened things up a little bit better for me and helped me to understand that this is, this is something apostolic. You remember Acts chapter 2, all the people that had come together. They were from places like, oh, Mesopotamia, Persia, Cappadocia. It says from all the countries of the region, they had come together to that one place to be there for that outpouring. There was no way that all those other countries were going to hear what they needed to hear, but God made a way to get all the people that needed to be there in one location, and then he poured out what he needed to pour out, and they went back. There has not ever been a missionary that's in, been in the country of Luxembourg before. My wife and I are the first ones that are appointed to that country to stay there and to actually begin something. There's not ever been Bible studies taught there. There's never been a church that's been started there. It's a country that from 
whenever it, it was started in 963 AD until this time, there's not been anybody there to stand there to receive or declare the promises of God. But this is what is so powerful is all over the world, God is positioning people in specific locations to do what is going to be done very rapidly and very quickly in this end time. It's no longer just going to be one person here and one country there and one spot over there. The Lord is putting things together in Luxembourg and in other places around the world where there is going to be something that is broad, that happens quickly. Do you know how many nations there are in our world? There's 195 countries with territories. The Bible says take the gospel to every... Well, there's 195 of them, plus all the territories. That's about 235. 170 nations are represented in Luxembourg City alone. And so God took this little guy that at eight years old, someone said, you're going to take the gospel to the nations. I had never even been out of my state. I'm 42 years old, so there's about a 30-year gap there. But 30 years later, that boy was actually taking the gospel to the nations. Because we've baptized Costa Rican people. We've baptized Colombian people. We've baptized Venezuelan people, Portuguese people. We've baptized French and Luxembourgish people. We've seen them be filled with the Holy Ghost, miraculously healed of tumors and cancers. We've seen them see Jesus show up in their situation. And in those cities that we walk into, God is demonstrating himself and fulfilling the words that have been spoken. Luxembourg is an interesting place. Luxembourg is an interesting place. I'll tell you one lady that had called me. I was there in Luxembourg. My wife and I were there. Out of the blue, unexpected, a lady calls me. She says, I was just wondering if you could pray for me. And I asked her what was going on, and she said, I'm dying. She said, I've been to the best specialist that money can buy in Europe. She said, I've been in Switzerland and I've been in Paris. She said, they've done radio, uh, radiation and chemotherapy. I've got stage four brain tumor. And there's not anything that anybody can do. They said, everything that can be done has already been done. She said, but I was told if I called you, God would heal me. I said, yes, ma'am. Where are you? She told me where she was. She was about an hour and a half down into France past where we were. We got into a car, drove down into the country she was in. And while we drove down there, the boldness of the Lord came on me. And when I walked up to her door, I didn't even introduce myself. I walked right in the house and told her, you're going to have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I prayed for her one time. And she looked at me and said, when are, when are you going to pray for healing? And I said, you're healed. And she just stared at me and she said, how do I know that I'm healed? I said, go back to Paris, to that cancer center and have them run those tests. A couple days later, she went back to Paris. She called me from the cancer treatment center and she said, Jeremy, I've never seen anything like it. She said, I've spent all this time and all this money with the best that money could buy in Europe. 
for years I've struggled with this. She said, I'm 43 with three children. They said that I'm going to die. She said, I just came in here and they can't find the tumor. Miracle after miracle after miracle that the Lord has done because, listen, you can't make this stuff up. You don't just walk into somebody's you don't just walk into somebody's house that has cancer and go, hey, you're healed, and then leave. Is everybody still there? You don't just walk into somebody's house and say, you're healed, and then just leave. You either got a word from God or you didn't get a word from God. Because you can walk out of that house and you're just fine. They've got to live with whatever condition they've got if you didn't hear from God. That is the thing that the apostolic people today have got to be more sure of of anything is we still know the voice of God. We still know when God has spoken. We still have to be the people that know what God sounds like. We've still got to be the people that when they come to us, we can say we've been with God. We know his voice. We can give you what you need. We can speak that word, whatever that word is. We can speak it in this situation knowing that that was the voice of God. When you've got confidence that that was God, then you can have confidence that God will do it. When you've got faith that you heard his voice, then you can have faith that he will perform what he spoke. The question is, did we hear from God? Faith words are what we are supposed to take into this world and speak them. And that is a double-edged sword. Could you please stand with your feet? There are people in this place that your future absolutely depends on what it is that you're going to speak. What we believe is not necessarily what is tucked away here in our mind. What we actually believe is what comes out of our mouth. I know that's challenging, but that's fact and it's apostolic. And God wants his people to hear him one more time. God wants his people to know that the things that he is speaking to them. Oh, my. The scripture in Mark chapter 12, verse 36 says that we're judged, we're held accountable for Every idle word that is spoken. Remember that? Now, what that word actually means when it says you're going to be held accountable for every idle word. Well, it does mean careless. And it does, it does mean that it is a reckless word. A careless and a reckless word. Do you know when we start speaking careless and reckless words? When we're hurt, when we're tired, when we're offended, when we don't see any way out, when we don't have any answers, and our faith is seriously injured. That's when we start speaking careless words because we're saying things about the outcome of our situation and the outcome of our life that absolutely did not come from God. We start speaking stuff and voicing stuff about our situation, what we're going to live with, and how it's going to turn out when that did not come from God. And it all of a sudden comes out of our mouth, and we're shaking hands with that filthy stuff, and we're in agreement with those things. 
Because you don't just believe what's in your mind. You actually believe whatever you speak. You've just come into agreement with some stuff. You believe those things. Your faith is in it. And you are speaking what you actually believe. That is a careless word. That is a reckless word. But God wants to heal his people. God wants to minister to our minds. God wants us to be able to look at those dead fig trees in our life and go, you know what? That wasn't for nothing. God is producing something powerful here. And God is teaching people about the power of the spoken word. There is something powerful about that that scripture that says in 1236 that we're held accountable for every idle word. Because listen, it isn't just careless words. I know I have you standing. Please bear with me. It isn't just careless words. Idle words means barren. They're barren words that have become dormant. God spoke something into your spirit. And that word is now unfruitful, unused, unexercised, dormant. And just laying there, unused, unspoken. And we will be brought into account. And he says, I gave you a word for that. I put that in your spirit. I spoke that. Your situation did not have to stay that way. You've been asking me for 28 days why it is the way that it is. I gave you a word on the 27th day. I gave you a word on the second day. I put the word in your spirit as soon as you called out to me. But that word's been lying there dormant and unfruitful. And you've got to come into agreement with what I spoke and silence the voice of the enemy. Shake yourself and arise. Come out of the dust and be seated with me. And speak with my authority. And it will change your situation. That's apostolic. That is kingdom. That is spirit living. What I want you to do is think about the situations you're facing in this moment. And just for a moment, you don't even have to say it loud. Just lift up your hands for one moment. You don't even have to say it loud, but you do have to say it. Think about the situations in your life that need to change. If it is healing, if it's deliverance, if it's recovery for your spirit, your mind, or your emotion. If it's physical healing for some diagnosis. If the enemy has lied to you and said it's all over and it's never going to change and it's always going to be this way. Whatever it is that you need. What I want you to do is silence the voice of the enemy. Say I am not in agreement with you. I am under his authority. Do you know how powerful that is? There have been people that have... They have been devil possessed. And as soon as they said, I am in agreement with the word of God, they were delivered instantly from demonic depression, oppression. Because you cannot be in agreement with the word of God and committed to the word of God and stay bound and oppressed. But the moment you come into agreement with what God is saying and what God is putting in your spirit, all of a sudden it lifts and it leaves because it cannot stay. Somebody ought to say, I am under the authority of Jesus Christ. And anything in my life 
that is not under his authority, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to leave my life right now. Why don't you help me and echo that right now? Say that over your life. Speak that right now. Say it with me. I am under the authority of Jesus Christ. And anything in my life, anything in my spirit, anything in my mind, anything in my body, anything in my family that is not under the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to go right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And it must go. It must go. And the very next thing you do is the things, now that that oppression is moved out, now that that heaviness is moved on, now that that doubt is not there, the Lord's going to start putting some stuff in your spirit that that does come from Him. That is the voice of God. That is the voice of the living one that can do the miraculous that is the rhema coming to you. Now, start speaking that, even if it's a whisper. Just start speaking that right now and come into agreement with that. And that is going to put you in alignment with the will, the word, the purpose, the plan of God. Don't, don't stop now. Take a moment. You're about to have breakthrough in your family. Speak those words. Speak those words. That's it. Just speak it. You have to leave. By the authority of God's word and the power that's in the name of Jesus. Oppression, you've got to go. Heaviness, you've got to go. I command you to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to go. Spirit of the Lord, be released. Listen to what he's saying right now and hang on to that and come into agreement with that. Speak it. Tomorrow you're going to speak some different words. You're going to wake up and you're going to say, my family is going to be used of God to reach this world. My family is going to be free from oppression. My family is going to be healthy. We're forgiven. We're washed in the blood. He's on our side. We've got the favor of God. We're going to see signs, miracles, and wonders. I feel the enemy lifting and leaving. His back has been broken in our family. We're going to be whole. We're going to be healed. We're going to walk with God. You've got to let that stuff come out of your mouth because that's when you're living your faith, when you can actually say that. It's not radical. It's not wild. That is actually spirit living. That's when you're living your faith, when you can speak those words. You're living your faith. Those are faith words. And they put things in motion. I'm going to hasten to a close and just share a small vision that I had in the south of Luxembourg I was praying there's been a told pastor a lot of prayer a lot of teaching a lot a lot of grounding people a lot of intercession in that country while I was praying I was laying face down in a dark garage on a concrete floor been there a long time and while I prayed the Lord showed me fire going out from the location that I was in and the fire went out toward Germany and wrapped to the north of Luxembourg. Fire went out toward Belgium and wrapped to the north of Luxembourg. 
those two flames came back down over Luxembourg City, spiraled together and came down and hit that capital city with such force that the fire went out two different directions, over Europe this way and over the Atlantic Ocean that way, and I never saw where the fire stopped. God spoke to me and said, I will do it. Now, here's, here's the application of the scripture. I decided the moment that it was spoken, I'm coming into agreement with that. Other people have walked through that country and said, my brother, you're the first missionary here. I, I, I just don't see it. Now, now there's, there's some things that are going on, but fire hitting the city, we don't see fire. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what they see, and it doesn't matter what they believe. Listen, that's not rude. You have to get that in your spirit. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what your in-laws say. Oh, please help me. Please understand. I'm not trying to be rude. Please get this in your spirit. It doesn't matter what they're saying. You have got to say, I heard from God. My situation's going to change. We are going to see it. I'm coming into agreement with that. I'm going to have it. And nobody's taking it away from me. I'm laying hold of that. And it's mine. And we will have it. There is going to be the fire of God hit that country. And there are going to be 170 different nations impacted from that one location. And I've just come to tell you, I know he'll do it because he told me he'd do it. I don't know when and it's not my business. That's out of my pay grade. I just know he will. And I've asked you to come. I've, I've, I've come here to ask you. Break agreement with this world and those lies. Shake hands with Jesus Christ one more time and tell me what you feel when you lock hands with him. Shake hands with him one more time. Tell me what fills your spirit and comes to your mind. You'll be in agreement with him. You're going to see some yellow forms on our table out there in the foyer. These yellow forms are for a monthly commitment to help us stay in that country to see the things God has spoken come to pass. These green forms are a one-time offering. Anything that anyone wants to contribute tonight will be a great blessing, a tremendous help for us to stay there. This helps us to have funds to work with while we're there. This form helps us to stay there so we can see God's will be done. One more time before we go. What I want you to do is just lift up your hand. Listen to what the Lord is saying and let him put faith words in your spirit before you leave here. It's a rhema. The rhema word of God. I want you to leave here, leave here armed with faith words. And when you go out, speak those words and declare them with boldness and courage. In the name of Jesus. What we have heard here tonight is not something you bring back with you Sunday. It's something you take home with you tonight and you wake up with tomorrow. And I, along with uh, Brother Favors tonight, I want to command you, if I may, to take what you've heard tonight, live it, apply it, and watch God go to work in your life, in your home, in your family, and so on. 
Thank the Lord. God bless you folks so very much for being here. Uh, do greet uh, the Favors family uh, before you leave tonight and certainly visit their table out in the lobby. And uh, let the Holy Ghost continue to minister to you tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed. Uh, greet our guest here tonight. And uh, God bless you. And we'll look forward to seeing you all Sunday morning.